0: community church podcast we are currently walking through 20 days of prayer and fasting together to start 2020 along with this podcast we are going through a journal as we pray for our community and read the gospel of john together you can grab a booklet on sunday or find a digital copy at downtown community or on the dcc tally app we hope you enjoy today's devotional Happy Saturday, DCC. Thank you for tuning in to our daily devotional podcast during our 20 days of prayer and fasting. My name is Luke Brugemeyer, and I get the privilege of serving as the program director here at DCC. Today, I get to share with you something that I have been wrestling with as a disciple of Christ over the past several months, and hopefully this will bring about some clarity to a question that isn't brought up nearly as much as it should be. The question is, what do we do when we don't feel that God is good? Recently, this question has been floating around in my mind a lot, and I wanted to dive into this very sticky problem that I know many of us, myself included, struggle with, even if it's in secret. I know in Christian circles that I was brought up in, and especially the southern thread of Christianity that we find our church settled in, even bringing up this question borderlines on heresy. Why would a good Christian ever question the goodness of God? How could they? God is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and especially all-good at all times. These should be so present in our lives that our minds can't help but always acknowledge it as the truth. And yet sometimes we still find it hard to. The purpose here is not to question any of those divine attributes in the least bit. God's character is beautifully presented to us from page one of the Bible and seen in every word that follows. His goodness flows from these pages in ways that we can't fully even comprehend on this side of eternity. And therein lies the problem, is our understanding. It's limited. It's fickle. It wavers and fluctuates. God's goodness, on the other hand, is unceasing, unending, unchangeable. When human minds try to grapple with an infinitely good God, there is always room for error. And this is what leads some of us into the legitimate position of questioning God's goodness. Now, not legitimate in the sense that God's goodness comes into question just because we dare to question it, but legitimate in that it's a real and honest feeling that crosses our minds in the darkest valleys of our lives. This thought could be brought about by circumstances both under and not under our control, be it the loss of something we held dear, like a spouse or child, or continuously unanswered prayer, or even just a brief glimpse at the world news headlines on any given day. But especially, especially when we encounter utter and complete silence of our God for long periods of time. Our repeated questions of God, where are you? God, where are you? Can easily turn into, God, are you even good anymore? I say this with some hesitation, but I believe that for those that walk long enough and hard enough of Christ, this is a universally felt experience at some point. But a Christian culture that taboos these questions as anti-God has nursed a generation of believers that immediately represses these thoughts. And ironically, instead of bringing them forth into the light to be wrestled with in a community of believers, we keep silent out of the fear that the very community that we need to guide us through these times will be the same one to kick us to the curb when they glimpse into some of the deepest, darkest corners of our mind. And when I struggle with this, I often quickly repress these same thoughts deep into my head as if thinking them were just some sort of sin, as if wrestling the deepest, hardest questions that we face as Christians was somehow against God's will. Author A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think there is some remarkable truth in this statement, but where does this leave us in the times where we don't think God is good? What worth am I then to my community and more importantly to my God when I think this? And what I have found through prayer and scripture is that Jesus cares about the contents of our thoughts, but he cares far more so about the direction of our faith. He listens to those who constantly seek his goodness, even if everything inside them questions if that goodness is even there. We might be told that these aren't questions that are appropriate to grapple with, but the Bible sure is full of a lot of people battling this very question over and over and over again. And two of my favorite spots where we see this in Scripture is early in the Old Testament and then again in the Gospels. In Genesis 22, we see Abraham and his son Isaac. You see, Abraham for years couldn't have a child and therefore couldn't provide an heir to his family, a fulfillment of the prophecy that God himself had promised him. And I can only imagine there were great and long seasons of Abraham's life where he repeatedly questioned God's goodness and faithfulness. And now his wishes have finally come true, and he has his promised son, Isaac. But I'm sure, much to his surprise, God now calls him to sacrifice Isaac, to slaughter the very thing he holds most dear. If Abraham had ever even an ounce of humanity in him, I can't help but think his initial response would be to wonder, to wonder. God, you say that you are good, but I don't see any goodness in you at this moment. How can you be good if this is the thing that you ask of me? But Abraham's response wasn't one of reluctance or disobedience. And even until that last possible moment where an angel interceded on behalf of his son to spare his life, Abraham's faith was in the direction of a good God. Abraham decided inside of himself that although he may not feel God is worthy of his goodness at this moment, it is not a reason to lay aside his faithfulness. Abraham knew his mind is human and his understanding is limited, and deep, deep down, he trusted God's eternal goodness, even if his entire being was in question of it. Abraham believed that faith is less so our thoughts and feelings than a movement of our feet toward God. And we see this similar faith present in Matthew 15 as well in the Gospels, and arguably one of the most confusing and offensive passages in the Bible, in my opinion. We see Jesus traveling into the enemy territory of Tyre and Sidon, where a Canaanite woman, an ethnic enemy of his, approaches him asking for relief for her demon-possessed daughter, and Jesus initially completely ignores her. She pleads to him again, and this time he speaks, but it's not the typical Jesus that we're used to. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And admittedly, at this point, it is hard to look at Jesus as good here, like really hard, which is why this is one of the most uncomfortable passages in the Bible, in my opinion. And at best, he seems aloof and urgent, but at worst, it looks like he's playing in to these sexist and racial tensions between the Jews and the Canaanites at his time, playing into the same thing that he would one day die on the cross to help eliminate. And admittedly, it's hard to read this and look at Jesus as any good. And now there is a lot of scholarship and commentary explaining Jesus's real intentions here. And in the end, it appears it was actually meant as a beautiful teaching technique so that those around him, such as his disciples, could see how to not act toward those different than you. Again, we have to hold true to the fact that God, and by extension, Jesus, is always good. But the real focus here is on the Canaanite woman herself. She responds to Jesus essentially calling her a dog by saying, Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dog eats the crumbs that fall from the master's table. To which Jesus finally responds, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Just imagine being the Canaanite woman here. Everything you've heard about this Jesus guy has been that he can heal the most broken, he can save the most lost, and yet the Jesus you get is apparently so offensive and dehumanizing. And if I were the woman, there's a good chance I would have just bolted out. I mean, he's already an ethnic enemy in my mind, and he sure is now acting the part two. So why would I even persist? But the woman's view of Jesus' goodness does not hinder her faith. Her trust in him doesn't change just because her feelings about him might have. She persists through insult and rejection, through questioning the goodness of God, because what she knows about Jesus is more important than what she feels about Jesus. Christian poet Levi McAllister sums up what we tend to think when, unlike Abraham and the Canaanite woman, our faith is dependent on how good we view God when he sings, So may blessings pour from my mouth, Lord, when I think you are worth it, but I reserve the right to withhold it all on the days that you don't deserve it. I found that my lack of faith in the Lord often comes through not trusting that he's a good God. And yet, because of the pressures to keep up our pristine perceptions as good Christians, we don't even vocalize the very thoughts that end up driving us into disobedience. But I want us to know that we have a God of freedom and a God of light and a God that is good. A God whose goodness is so much bigger than our questions, thoughts, and feelings. He wants to remind us of who he really is, our loving creator who made us in his image and said, it is good. But as long as we aren't honest with ourselves about how we truly see God, even in the darkest of times, those thoughts remain dark. And God doesn't revel in the dark, but he stays in the light. No question we have is too ugly for him to sort out. He wants our faithful hearts, not our perfect thoughts. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope to see you all at church tomorrow.